You know, for years, people would ask me questions, you know, outside of just biblical knowledge. They'd want to know, uh, you know, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this taking place in the world? Or what do you think about business? Or, And so we started this, uh, a brand new show about a year ago called Return to Reason. And in this, it's not a religious show. It is looking at the news, the events of the day, the month, around the world, specifically more so in Canada, unless around the world is affecting us. And we talk about it, we interview experts from around the planet. We're talking high-level people. And, then I'll, and I always give a look at how I feel it affects us, why it is important. And so if you haven't been following it, just go to returntoreason.tv and uh, you can catch up on all the different interviews of great men and women, as well as a look at what, we're, what I think about some of the things that are going on in different areas. Someone said, well, you can't get political. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about issues. And I think that we need to. You know, people say, well, Leon, you shouldn't get involved. Did, did you know that when freedom came to the slaves in America, that the organizations that began to rise up were two-thirds pastors? I guess they should have been shut up and just sat down and been quiet, but they didn't. Did you know that the Underground Railroad that brought so many to freedom out of slavery against the times were all believers? We need to look at our history and recognize the Church of Jesus Christ, not meaning the church as in the building, but we as people are called to be salt and light. We're called to be out there. Around here are great leaders who are going to make a difference. And uh, so let's, let's keep going. Today I want to talk about an area of Christianity that, that has been one of the biggest causes of failures in people's lives. You see, the enemy of our souls, the devil, there is a spirit world. And that spirit world is filled with beings as well. The Bible teaches us God. Jesus is there. The Bible teaches us that all those who have died before us are in heaven. Then we know we have fallen angels, which the Bible calls demons. And we have angels, which is the host that follow God. And so there's an active dimension superimposed upon this dimension that all you have to do is live a little while and you'll see such evil and you'll see such remarkable goodness and you wonder what is going on. So we need to be very aware of that. But the enemy of our souls does not want us to understand who we are. And so... I want to give you a verse, and then I'm going to break it down for you. And if you can get what I'm saying in the next 25 minutes, it will radically, radically change you. It'll change what owns you. It'll change your struggles. It'll change you to a place of victory in every area of your life. Because this is an area that Christianity as a whole mostly has backed away from. Here in... First or Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says here that we are new creatures. We are new creatures. Now, this word new creature, what does that mean? Does it mean like you took the old house and you renovated it? No. Does it mean like 
well, you know, we, we took this old house and we kind of gave it new siding. And it's not reformed. It's not um, like that. It is actually, this is what it means. When the Bible says you give your life to Christ and you become a new creature, it literally means a new species of creature as never seen before. Now, most people, when they talk about Christians, it's, well, we're just sinners saved by grace. A lot of the rhetoric that we hear around Christianity is always defeated, uh, barely get by. And, you know, it's like, what's the real advantage? I mean, it is if you're going to go to heaven, but you've got to live like hell in the meantime. But everything in the epistles, you see, it is easy to preach from the Old Testament. I could do 10 messages right now without thinking. I'll give you the four keys to David taking on Goliath. I'll give you the three things that Jonah had to learn in preaching at Nineveh. Or, you know, there's only two ways out of a whale. I mean, the Old Testament, it is so easy to preach from Old Testament stories. It is easy to preach from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are dealing with Jesus, and it's story after story. Blind Bartimaeus wouldn't stop crying out, and Jesus met his needs. It's so easy to preach there. Where it is hard to preach from is the epistles, because you just can't grab a story and wax eloquent. You have to know the new covenant that is written in the blood of the Lamb. You've got to know what is this New covenant, the old covenant has passed away, but everyone keeps preaching from it without taking it through the cross. To teach from the epistles, whereas where you should spend 75% of your time and your Bible study, because it outlines what Jesus did for you, who you are, what you can do, and one of the most crucial issues is the new creation. Now, when you go to a Strong's Concordance of the verse that I just read, it says there, as, re, as in respect to this, the substance of this new creature that you are, if you've given your life to Jesus, it says you are a new kind. This is unprecedented, novel, uncommon, unheard of. It takes religion take something so incredibly powerful, beautiful, and amazing that when you give your life to Christ, you are a new creature as having never been before. Someone said, well, Leon, I mean, that's kind of like Adam and Eve in the garden. We're back to being like them. No, 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 no. That's not possible because Adam and Eve sinned and the whole world came under the darkness. You can't do that today as a new creation. Aren't you glad the guy beside you can't sin and destroy your life? <laughs> Why? Because Jesus is the second Adam, not you. And we are in Christ. And this new species is not just a figment of our imagination. You are a new kind, as never before, with new desires, with a new will, with new, everything is new in your spirit. And so when people begin to try to tell you or teach you, you know, you, you're just a sinner. Saved by grace. That's not accurate. It doesn't stand up to the New Testament, to the epistles. You were a sinner because we're talking about who you are internally. We're talking about your identity. You know, and so you are not a sinner. You are a saint. He doesn't write to the saint, to the sinners in Rome, to the sinners at Galatia, to the sinners in Colossae, to the sinners in Corinth. No, he writes to the 
saints at Rome, to the saints in Galatia, to the saints at Colossae, to the saints. He's writing to the family of God, the saints. But religion, religion kind of wants to give you an excuse. Oh, golly, shucks, gee, I mean, we're just sinners saved by grace. No, you were a sinner saved by grace, and nobody has told you who you are. This is a huge problem. There are people listening to me right now that you really think you can't get rid of the desires that own you, the addictions that keep you, and the things that haunt you. You can't get rid of the guilt that, that, that freezes you, and you can't get rid of the, of the condemnation that owns you. And this is, you know, so I'm just going to do the best I can and hang in there till Jesus comes back. That is so flawed. You, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you believe on him, a miracle has taken place within your spirit, and Holy Spirit has recreated you, and you are a new species as never before existed. Did you know that in the Old Testament, whenever the prophets begin to prophesy about this coming Messiah and what he would do, they were in awe. They caught a glimpse through the spirit of prophecy of a, a, a nation, not just a nation, but an entire family of God that would walk the planet with such authority, with such power, with such an anointing upon them that they wanted to look into it, but they couldn't. They could simply prophesy about it in a way, but they could not look into what is this new creation. And I want you to understand that if you have never been taught what is this new species that you are, then you will live in the failures of your old life, thinking it's really a part of your new life. But the Bible teaches us that when God gets on the inside of us, that sin no longer, in Romans 6.14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, you are under grace." The law was a rule you had to obey. Grace is the very presence, power, and favor of God that is yours to live. So, if sin doesn't have dominion over you, you could take the word sin out there and put the word devil in there because it's got the same result. Sin shall not have dominion over you. The devil shall not have dominion over you. You see... When you do not have the Spirit of Christ in your spirit, as you grow up, you're so self-focused that it's all about you. And, and there's this little sense in there of, of how much fun it is to do bad. Watch teenagers as they grow up. You know, you can just see, that you give them a rule, they just want to break it. They just, I'm going to go try everything else out I can. I'm going to, I want to try alcohol and drugs and sex and, and gangs and, 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 and just, golly shucks, gee, you know. No, you don't have to have teenagers that desire that or feel that. The Bible says that God is at work within us both to will and to do what pleases Him. That means that your will, your desires are good desires. You see, much of what people do isn't sin in itself. God's designed sexuality for the beauty of marriage. He's designed money, and He's designed desiring to be happy and party, but not with drugs, giving power and shutting down your mind, not with alcohol, etc. So, 
When it talks here about sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. When you are born again, there are new desires that are in your spirit. You know, I was raised in a Christian home. Both my parents uh, taught us the word, showed us the word, and, uh, and, and just taught us, I mean, every year of our lives, who we were in Christ, what Jesus had done for us, what he is doing for us now, uh, etc., etc. Because so many Christians don't have a hot clue about how, to, how the Bible works, or even how to pray. And I remember when I became a teenager, and, and sports was my thing. I loved the football, and basketball, and track and field. And, but when you hit teen years, and you get on the road with some of these school teams, there's a whole lot of stuff going on, from the parties to the hotel rooms. Then at 17, I beat out all the university throwers and javelin, and I ended up traveling that too young age with university teams and uh, provincial teams. And I'm telling you, there's a whole new level of partying, a whole new level of just doing what you can when you're away. And, and here's the thing. I found that I would get to the edge of incredible temptations. And boy, I was tempted. But I would look at it, and I, now I know why. Back then, I didn't really, I just, that's, that's just not me. That just... I mean, yes, there's a desire to be happy. There's a desire to get along with people. Yes, there's a desire for sex. Yes, there's a desire. All these things. But there was something in me that was coming out of the depth of me that goes, I can't do that. So I'd go out to a movie or I'd sleep in the bathroom with the door locked because he always slept four people per rooms and when you'd be on the road. And, 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 there was, and I never realized that. In fact, when I was youth pastor for my dad in Selkirk, a couple of youth pastors here in Winnipeg asked me if I would speak at a youth gathering. We'd like you to share your testimony. And I said, I don't have a testimony. They said, what do you mean? You see, back then it was big, you know, find a hell's angels that killed somebody and slept with how many and, and let him share his story of how Jesus redeemed him and, and find the guy who went to jail for murder and what happened in the pen as he got beat up and the gangs that he got freedom from. And they're all wonderful stories, don't get me wrong. But that's all we put behind the pulpits for our youth. And they would have 30 minutes of the rampant sin that they did. And then, and then I gave my life to Jesus Christ and everything is wonderful and fast. Amen. And again, you just spent 30 minutes telling us every intricate little sin and bad thing and who you beat up and killed and murdered and smuggled drugs, etc. And now you're going to give us three minutes. Now you're born again and things are good. And so people loved that kind of testimony back then. So these two youth pastors, I said, I don't have a testimony. I said, what do you mean? I said, you know what? I was raised in the word. And I am not saying I'm perfect. I'm sure there's places where I slipped and there's sins of pride and other things. But when it comes to what you're looking for, this testimony of running rampant through the world and trying all this stuff, didn't do that. I don't have a testimony. And, and they were just shocked. They didn't know what to say. They, you know, because that's how you got to be a good youth pastor was, you know, you were bad. Now you're here, and you're going to help everybody not be bad. I've heard pastors brag about their past life so much that their kids wouldn't even serve God because they had to go find the fun and the thing that their parents wouldn't stop talking about. So I said, I'm sorry. And they said, well, what is your testimony? What do you mean? Well, what's your testimony? What is it that kept you going? I said, well, my mom and dad taught me the word of God. And so I learned to rise up and have fun and make friends and be good. And I feel sufficient and peaceful and happy. I feel excited. God began to use me to pray with people, get them born again. I began to pray for miracles, even as a teenager. They said, well, then share that. And for the very first time, 
I begin to share my testimony, a testimony predominantly of the goodness of God in my life. And as I begin to study the Word of God, I begin to realize the wisdom of my parents as they taught me to memorize the Word, and they taught me who we were in Sunday school and then in youth, and how the Word of God began to be planted in my heart. And I knew that sin couldn't have dominion over me. I knew that even though there are desires that are from God, like the desire to party and be happy and get along with people and sexuality and all the rest, but that when it came to being tempted to fulfilling those outside of the will of God, that's not me. There was just this crazy, awkward sense of, I don't fit. I don't fit. And they knew it too. Boy, I was bullied and, and pushed out. And, and because, you know, it's like somebody who's got a drink. They just want you to have a drink in your hand too. Just got to have a drink in your hand too. Or if, if we're smoking dope, just got to have you smoking dope with me. Or if, it's just the, the way of the world is just this, this push. And I want you to know, that in the new creation, in the new species, deep within you are all the desires of honor and integrity. There's still desires for passion and, and to rise up and be all that you can be and risk and adventure. It's all in there. But not that evil, self-centered, hurt others to get what you need. That doesn't come from the Spirit of God. So when someone gives their lives to Jesus Christ and becomes born again, they need to spend time in the Word of God. Some people would say, well, you know, I gave my life to Jesus, Pastor, and, and, and I'm coming to church, and, I, and I'm starting to hear about who I am, but I, I, it doesn't feel like me. It's just like, it doesn't feel real to me. And I, and I go, well, are you acting like it's real? Oh, what do you mean? I have to act like it's real? When you got married, did you feel married for the first while? Well, no, no. Most of us have been, ooh, who's in bed with me? And the first morning you woke up and, and you know, you're going to go to the gym with the guy. Well, wait a minute, I'm married. i got to go home and check with my wife. What does she want to do? You don't feel married, but you begin to act married. You begin to work through marriage. You begin to see the beauty, the amazingness of it. And so we have to understand that when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we need to begin to find the Word of God. We need to begin to speak it, meditate on it, dive into it to find out what this new species is. What is a born-again believer like? But then religion, or so much of the church world, will just tell you, you're just a sinner saved by grace, which is telling everybody you can't help it. That's your tongue. Oh, I just can't help it. That's just who I am. No, no, no. The teaching of the Word of God and the born-again experiences, you are now a new creation. You are a new species. You are uncommon. You are something that has never been seen on the planet until Jesus died for your sin. Then he went to hell in your place. He took the curse that you and I deserved. He rose again with a new life, gave it to you and I. He went to the right hand of the Father, and we are seated with him with power and dominion. It's not just a forgiveness of sins. I was chatting with some leaders and pastors, and one guy says, isn't it just, isn't it just awesome that our sins are forgiven? And I went, yep, but I'm waiting for him to keep going. But he didn't. I said, sins were forgiven in the Old Testament. Sins were forgiven by Jesus when he'd look at someone and say, your sins are forgiven you. And the guy would walk up healed. 
Jesus forgave sins, but there was no new creation until Jesus went to the right side of the Father, the, the throne room of God, until he died for you and I, went to hell in our place, took the curse of the law, rose again victorious, used his faith in the pit of hell, and rose up victorious. And this new life, he is the firstborn. If someone says to you, hey, here's my, you know, this, this guy with me, that's my firstborn. Well, that means they've got a secondborn and a thirdborn. Well, who's the secondborn? Who's the thirdborn? We are all born again under this new species, this new creation. And if someone lies to you from the pulpit or lies to you in your teaching and tries to make it like it's humble that, gosh, golly, gee, I'm just a, I'm just a poor sinner saved by grace. They're going to rise to the level that you help them out with their identity. Now, when you begin to go into God's Word, you're going to find two issues that need to be looked at and understood. The first is your legal position with God. What is your legal position with God? Which I just said to you. Jesus took your sin, the punishment for your sin, went to hell in your place, rose again with a new life, and you can now be born again, become a part of this new species, and heaven is your home. And because we are seated with Him in heavenly places, we have authority and understanding. Yes, that's your legal. Those are all very legal terms. But many Christians begin to understand some of the legal rights of a believer, but they, don't, they haven't begun to experience them. They're not experiential. They're just legal. And as I would travel and meet with denominations and pastors, I would meet experts in the Bible and the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic and degree after degree, and they could sit down and just spell out your legal rights as a Christian. But it gets dry if you don't experience the very things you have rights to. So where's the experiential in that? So... The legal side is crucial. It's vital. It's the area a lot of people already don't believe in. That our, you know, what's the legal right of a born-again believer? In the mind of God, this has all been dealt with. What, is, what, do, what do we do to, be, to experience these things? Well, according to the Word of God, in Hebrews chapter 4, and verse 14 to 16, it says, Seeing then that we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let's just stop there for a minute. Wait. Hold fast. Now, most of us have heard about the confession of sin. You know, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to free you from all unrighteousness. But... Most of us just make negative confessions. But the Word of God is filled with verses that teach you to make positive confessions. And that by the, what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth leads to salvation. Romans chapter 10, 8, 9, and 10. And so this issue of, of beginning to know who you are so you know how to act. And then you begin to act that way because that's who you are. You know, Sal and I were married, and we had our first baby, and 
I remember running home from work one day, and I'm just going to sweep her up in my arms and take her out for supper and just bless her, and I've been gone for a while. So I ran into the house, and I'm just, you know, trying to be my charming best and wooing her down the steps and out to my car. And as, and as I'm, come on, honey, I'm taking you out for supper. We're going to go. And she goes, Leon, 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 what? We have a baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a father. Now, I was single, then I got married. I had to act married. Now I'm a father. I need to act like a father. And other things, there's nothing wrong with recognizing who you are in these changing zones of our life and applying them to Christianity. That you are now a born-again believer. You are as a species that never existed before. You are unique. You know, you are uncommon. Why do you live, act, think like everybody else on the planet? Now, then it goes on to say, let us hold fast our confession. Did you know that Jesus, at the right hand of the Father, is the high priest of your confession? Now, in the Old Covenant, you would bring an animal to them, and the, the sentence of death for the sin you'd committed would be passed over to the animal, and they would sacrifice that animal on an altar. But you and I need to know that Jesus Christ, as John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So this new species that we are, and this high priest who has passed through the heavenlies. Now there's a whole bunch of teaching in there that will show you that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's called that. He's called the God of this world. It shows you the complete and utter dominion that Jesus had when he did what he did, dying on the cross, etc. And then he rose through the heavens to sit at the right hand of the Father, the area of authority. Okay? And you and I are seated with him. So, as a born-again believer, as this new species, how do we, once we know this legally, how do we begin to Walk in it experientially, vitally, enjoying the healing that is a part of this. Enjoying the joy that, that is ours. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink and all those rules, but righteousness, peace, and joy. How do I feel righteous and clean and amazing and loved and accepted? How do I walk in the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory? How do I have a peace that passes all understanding given to me by Jesus? You need to start talking it because he's the high priest of what you say. Now, sometimes, well, 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 I've not heard that before. Yes, you did. When I said, hey, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? Let me guide you to the prayer. Dear Jesus. And you said, dear Jesus, come into my heart. What's going on? You have begun to believe that you need Christ. So you're believing with your heart. Now you must confess with your mouth. There's something about confession and what you're saying that landmarks you. It sets the bullseye on your future. It's the direction you're going to go, you're going to think, you're going to feel, you're going to act. And so Christians who are, gosh, golly, gee, I'm just a poor sinner, barely saved by faith, and at least one day I'm going to go to heaven, but I'm going to have to live like hell till then. No, you are completely and utterly wrong according to all of the epistles, which is the new covenant. When you get into the book of Hebrews and you begin to flesh out who we are and what we can do, it's stunning. So let's not live our lives in a place where Satan still has dominion over you. If, say, if you say, well, you know, I just can't stop this, and you are born again. Now, if you're not, I understand. 
Because what comes out of you is, it's awful. Like Until you become born again and Jesus rebuilds your, your spirit, you have this selfish, self-centered desire to meet every one of your needs sooner than you should, where you shouldn't, with who it shouldn't be, because it's just you. It's just you. Who cares about a future wife? Who cares about who you hit with your car when you're drunk? Who cares? No, it's you, 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 you. So it's a self-centered life. And even if you teach your children behavior and you teach them good manners and all these things, they still have to try to use behavior and manners to fight off all of these dark desires on the inside that have never been dealt with because they're not born again. So once you become this new species, once you become this new creation, you got this head to, to contend with. And so Satan doesn't have dominion over you and I. If he did, he would be the head of the church. But Jesus is the head of the church. Ephesians teaches us that all the way through. He's the head of the church. We're the body. It's his will. The Bible says that God is at work in you, in Philippians, both to will and to do. It's not like, oh, I'm going to do it, but my will will. I sure wish I could go get drunk and pass out and hang out. In the, in the, no, 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 no. It, when God is in you, it is both to will. Your will recognizes it's, I want, I want to do this right. I want to laugh and love and enjoy life and treat people with, with excellence and, and, and raise up a life that's generational. All of this is in you. God's at work in you, both to will and to do. It's good pleasure. I've actually heard preachers get up there and just say, let's get real here. Being a Christian's hard. I have actually walked out of conferences I'm supposed to speak at because of the sum of the ridiculous stuff. I say, well, give me a verse for that. He can't. He'll find places that just talk about, don't be afraid of the temptations that push at you and the storms that blow your way. When the storm blows by, you'll still be standing. And, and this is not unusual. People around the world who, who know Christ have the same kind of temptations and storms. Be of cheer. I'm with you. You're going to overcome them all. Like, yeah, I get it. But the Bible, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Walk your life out and you'll find really quick without Christ, one hell of a mess. If you haven't hit it yet, you will. Because the master you serve hates you. But Jesus is in love with you. And all the beautiful things that he put on this planet are for you to enjoy. And so we need to understand the legal side of redemption. I've been bought and paid for. You've been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. He gave his life. He died in your place. But it's not just a forgiveness of sins. Like I said, sins were forgiven in the Old Testament. Sins were forgiven by Jesus to people. And, but in the epistles, when it's not just a forgiveness of sins, Jesus rises again with new life, and you become a new creation as has never existed before on the planet. How do we begin to feel like that? You begin to speak the Word of God. You see, I was just saying earlier that to give your life to Christ, you must believe in your heart and you must confess with your mouth, which leads unto salvation. Did you know that your confession of Jesus is what got your spirit saved? Your confession of Jesus is what will get your head saved. 
Your confession of Jesus as well as get your body saved. But if you stop making... See, Christianity is called the great confession. Because in many religions, you got to do all these things to earn it. But to know Jesus, it's a confession of your belief in Him and an acceptance. But these same, by the same way as you learn to speak the Word of God and confess God's Word over areas of your life and the promises that are yours, that is when you, it's unto salvation. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's not saying that you're not saved in your spirit. No, you are owned by Jesus, man. Heaven is your home. Thank God for that. But what you need to know is that it is the mind. You've got to get this mind renewed. You've got to get this body made a living sacrifice. But you'll never do it believing that you're just a sinner saved by grace. But all these wicked desires and this fulfillment of doing it wicked ways that are just self-centered and selfish, that this is okay. Now, temptation will come. Jesus was tempted in all points as we are. But what gave him such an incredible was that within him was the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, giving him new desires, giving him an ability to control this. And so for those of you who are struggling with addiction, struggling with things you can't control, struggling with a mind that's going all over the place, you understand, your mind sometimes is noisier than what's going on around you. You know what I'm talking about? Your mind's going... Because you're thinking and trying to, you know, you can't find peace and you can't find this. That's because your mind needs to be renewed in who you are. If you don't do that, your mind's going to do that the rest of your life. And your emotions will be all over the place. And you know what? Divert for a minute. With all the chemicals being invented today, which are mostly hormonal disruptors, while you struggle to keep a good mood in your head... You'll need to make your body a living sacrifice. You'll need to begin to speak and know that no deadly thing can hurt me. Until you learn to, 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 to rise up as this new species and this new creation, this world will run you ragged like it's running everybody else ragged to an early grave with messed up lives and messed up kids and messed up generations, if there's generations. But when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you begin to know the, what he has done for you and I, as you begin to make your body living sacrifice, as you begin to literally rot, you will, your life will never get better than your daily confession. Let me follow you around for a week. Let me follow you around for a week and listen to your conversations. And I will predict with unerring accuracy your future. The Bible says that what you say is prophesying to your future. So God has made you and designed you so that as you get his word, you can change your thinking. Because your thinking is where you get your beliefs from. So until you change your thinking, you will not have established beliefs in your heart that cause you to win. In fact, many people will just say, no, I, I really don't sense those new. No, you do. You just have never spent enough time in the word to, to win over all the bad habits you've learned. So the Bible teaches us, hold fast, in Hebrews 4.14, hold fast our confession. Well, what does that mean? I'll make a confession. I'm saved. I've got to grab that confession and hold it? Does it just mean to keep believing? No, it literally means to keep saying what he is saying. 
Keep saying what he says. Well, what is Jesus saying? Huh. Jesus is literally saying, I died for them. I took their sins. I redeemed them. I became, I became their sin for them, that they could become the righteousness of God in me. I took their infirmities and I bore their sicknesses. I delivered from the author- them from the authority of darkness. I created them a new species, a new creation. This is what he is saying at the right hand of the Father. So what are we supposed to do? We are to say what he says. He hath said that we may boldly say. Did you know that daily, the best thing you can do is not say, well, I'm doing good, okay, but, you know, pastor, uh, some sickness came in, so now I'm speaking the word of God over sickness. Then a few months later, oh, oh, I got a financial problem. I'm speaking the word over my financial problem. Cool, that's important to do. But I think where most people struggle is at the very beginning as a baby Christian, you need to rise up in your prayer closet and you need to declare who you are because your mom thinks she knows who you are and your dad thinks he knows who you are and your friends think they know who you are and your gym teacher thinks they know who you are and your English teacher thinks they know who you are nobody knows who you are except the one who made you and so your confession about who you are and what you can do and what Jesus did for you and what Jesus is doing for you right now, until you learn these things and begin to speak them out every day, it's your confession will either set you free or your confession will imprison you as a born-again believer. If you don't believe me, if you're born again and you don't believe this, then get up every day and just say, I'm stupid and I'm a loser. See where it gets you. Say it every day of your life. Watch what happens. Or no one likes me, everyone hates me. Nothing ever goes good in my life. Just repeat Murphy's Law. You can buy the book. And yet we say it in our casual conversations. And so my challenge to you today is make a change. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, do that. And then you will become a creature. You ever wondered why the Bible says you are a new creature? Why didn't it say a new man? It says new creature. New creation as never before seen on the planet. At that very foundation, I pray that this touches your heart and you'll make a promise today to yourself and to Jesus. I'm going to find out who I am as this new species. It is God who works in you both to will, Philippians 2.13, and to do of his good pleasure. There's a legal side to redemption you need to know. You'll learn it as you, as you keep coming here. But I can't speak it for you. I can't, in your prayer time, begin to pray the promises. Declare who you are. Declare what Christ has done. This, it's a pretty amazing thing to be able to, to get up each day, find your prayer closet and say, Jesus died on the cross for my sins so that sin has no dominion over me. Jesus died in my place and he went to hell so I'll never go to hell. He rose again with a new life and that new life is on the inside of me. I'm a new creation. creation. I'm a new creature as never before. I'm uncommon. I'm unique. He went to the right hand of the Father, and there he sits today as my high priest with authority. And this authority is mine. I am not to get under the enemy or all the situations that go on. I'm called to walk in constant triumph. I am called to rise up, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, my faith in Jesus Christ. Like, you need to begin to speak the word. But most people don't even know it. So my challenge to you is, if you're coming to Springs Church, Take these messages that you hear and listen to them every day that week till the new one comes out the following Sunday. Listen to it six more times, at least every day. Get your notepad out and own that baby. So if I have to say, hey, I can't make it Sunday, could you preach it? You know it that good.
Because what it's going to do to you is it's going to literally cause something within you to become so powerful that you will rise up and you will live like that new species. You will live like this uncommon, unique, special person that God has placed on this planet to not just look after yourself, but to share the truth everywhere with people. If you want to experience what you've legally got, begin to speak God's word every day. Meditate in it. Don't let a day go by. What you confess daily will determine what is going on in your future. Father, today, I pray that you touch each person. I pray that this message would go so deep to those who are maybe a long time Christians, but have never found victory. For those that are brand new, let them know this is unique, special, profound, powerful. And it's up to me to find those legal rights and to experience and live them. I pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. Well, I hope that helps somebody.